Welcome to CS Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 181 of CS Radio. I'm J. Michael DeAngelis. I'm Natty Leach. And uh, we took a week off, Natty. A little, little unexpected break in between uh, episodes because... I ran. You ran. You ran off. Uh, tell, us, uh, tell us where you were. Tell us what was up. I went to the Cubs conference in... The Chicago Cubs? Yeah. No, 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 no. Wait a second. The Cubs is the career undergraduate business symposium. So it is uh, many undergraduate business schools talking about career services related topics. It's actually a really great conference because it's really specific to what we do. I think sometimes we look at other conferences that aren't always exactly the kinds of things that we do or maybe they kind of mix in a few other things so this is a really great fit fit. it was at the university of michigan in ann arbor hosted by the ross school of business there um and it was a great great day i heard it was a party it was a party i didn't go to all the parties and uh of course uh, in the end you were uh, married by a robot I was briefly, but it expired upon leaving 50 feet radius of the machine itself. Wow. So it was a brief but memorable wedding. Yes, it was fleeting. Love is always fleeting. Well, and how much did that set you back? A quarter? <laughs> it was a dollar or something. Oh, pricey. They, I got I got ten rings. They gave a little a little packet of rings. But you just let it. You did not uh, then go to the divorce robot. We went to the. It was a. It was like the Undertaker in divorce or something. And he was just—he t- would just tell you, give him a—he was fifty cents, and he just told bad like my wife jokes. Wow, like it pretty dated, you know. Uh, perhaps we should give some context about where 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 was this? This was a, an added feature of the conference. This was yeah, unrelated <laughs> to the conference. Um, they were not sponsoring this. It was in Detroit. There's something called Marvin's Marvelous Mechanical Museum. And it is uh, basically an arcade. Full of automatons. Automatons, fortune tellers, all sorts of cool things. That's cool. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. I mean, real quick, do you want any big takeaways from this conference? We uh, we have some other topics to dive into today, but anything you want to share with the with the group? It was a good conference. Um, one of the sessions I really enjoyed was on ChatGPT, um, talking about how to use it in a career services perspective. And it was taught by, or it was uh, led by one of the faculty members there at the Ross School of Business, who is um, more on the tech and AI side of things. So he gave good perspective. Um, was really interesting, just in terms of looking through. He showed the example of what it, what output is given from Chat GPT. If you just say something like, "I'm a university student looking for an internship in this space. Write me a cover letter," kind of thing, um, and it spit out pretty bad cover letter but the template wasn't bad i think if you look at it from like a framework perspective, so yeah so it like a very generic Mm -hmm. but the the structure of it if you were to shore it up with detail would be all right yeah and so that was one of the focuses we looked at is like how sometimes it just lied if it didn't have the information it made up its major and concentration um it put in a it said it was a student of university of xyz so being mindful of swapping things in and out as needed and adding specificity. I think it did a good job of the basic kind of jargon that you see in a cover letter that kind of puts the framework around what you need and what you're trying to say. But it had no specifics as to what what the candidate was actually bringing outside of a generic, I'm interested in the position and look forward to talking to you more kind of uh, vibe. And uh, they seem like a pretty... Uh tech forward university because you also showed me pictures of this amazing 
broadcast studio that they have. Yes, it's not quite as nice as ours. Just kidding. It is like the nicest studio I've ever seen, especially at the university campus. It was uh, like a television, pro- professional television quality studio, like a newsroom would have. Um, two multiple studio rooms, um, like a sound booth for the control room of both of those. I think they said they had 16 staff members or something like that that managed just that room and helped with instruction for faculty members and working with them on their coursework for how to best use digital media and present in that space virtually. Um, It was really, really cool. They had a whole, it almost looked like they were in VR that made the stage look so big when you're looking at just the camera because they're just screens all around them. And so they could change like the time of day. They could make it look like you were looking out over across the campus at Ann Arbor. Um, and they could change it to dusk, to dawn, to nighttime. It was really, uh, it's like the volume with that, that they shoot the, uh, the Mandalorian on just a yes. big digital screen that you can create any background. I'm sure that's what we're getting in our new building next year. I'm excited for it. Um, well, I, I, I would love to uh, chat all day about this conference, but we have a guest in the studio today. Uh, we want to welcome our newest colleague here in Career Services, Dustin Miller. Dustin, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Natty, Michael. Appreciate it. Uh, so, Dustin, why don't, you are our new associate director on the engineering team. Been here about two weeks now? Three. 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 Ooh, four by the time you're listening to this. So that's that's great to have some time to settle in. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background to s- start off with? Yeah, absolutely. So I went to McDaniel College for my undergrad education, uh, studied communication and sports management, was able to work in the admissions office. I played on the football team and working in the admissions office is actually how I start to find my passion and love for higher education, which was awesome. Great experience. And that led me to pursue a master's of education in higher education administration at Kutztown University. And then career services got really specific during my second year of that program. I did a year-long internship at Lebanon Valley College in their career services office. Cool. And that's kind of how it got the ball rolling. And then out of my master's, got my first job at Immaculata University as the assistant director of career counseling um, had a couple of different roles while I was at Immaculata, and that's how it uh, got me ready and landed me here. Nice. Where are you from originally? Berks County, so outside Reading. Okay. I was gonna say, I mean, you're saying a lot of Pennsylvania type things, but I don't remember asking where where you're from originally. Yeah. yeah. My brother's a Berks County man. Oh, really? Where? Yeah. He he lives in Reading. He teaches in the uh, Muhlenberg School District. Oh, yeah. I went to Wilson West Lawn. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, was he at Wilson previously? I can't remember. He's been in a couple of different schools in that area. So. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. yeah very cool. He's, uh, he's a teacher and, and uh, Berks County rock star. I don't deny that. It's your brother. Yeah. No, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, got a very no, a literal, 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 rock, literal star. rock star. Got a great band out there, Die Tired. Uh, they're starting to break out of the Berks County scene, too. Go, go global. But, he's got uh, his contract. He's got his a deal. record deal. Really big in Brazil, apparently. Nice. I don't know. This show is big in uh, Finland, I believe. Oh, nice. CS Radio. Hello. Or... Greetings to you Greetings. in Finland. Yeah, <laughs> I'm always, I'm always, I'm always amazed when I look at our stats and see where exactly people are listening. And we did. We had sort of this Nordic contingent that are needing that career advice. So, um, but all that aside, uh, what um, 
what are some of the things that obviously you're you're just a, a, a couple of weeks into the job, but what are some of the things that are jumping out at you about um, what students are experiencing or, or the way the office operates? Oh my gosh! I mean, I think immediately what jumps out is the collaborative nature of the office. Mm. So many, you know, obviously it's broken up about you know the different colleges, different schools on campus, and you know whether it be other offices such as operations or you know you and your team, Michael, with tech and just employee relations. I mean, the amount of work that goes into helping even just one student is miraculous to see and how anyone's always willing to jump in, give a hand. That's something I've noticed on top of how amazing our students are here, their experiences, what they're looking to pursue, their dream, their vision. I mean, the amount of drive that they have is honestly quite inspiring from a professional perspective as well. You really hit the ground running quickly at seeing students already. Is this your first week seeing students, or did you see them last week, too? Yeah, I was shadowing the first couple of weeks, and okay. then I jumped into my own appointments this week. Nice. Yeah, I think that seems faster than most, but, I mean, you already had a background. You already had, had some familiarity meeting with students in the past, so um, I noticed that you're already kind of having a pretty full schedule. You met with a few students at least today that I saw um, coming in, in our, into our waiting room in person, not even just the Zoom ones I'm sure you've also had, too. Yeah, it's actually ironic because I heard about how the need, you know, maybe for a lot of students is they're looking to do it over Zoom, but the majority of my appointments so far this week have actually been in person, oh, that's great. which has been nice. I mean, the your population, the en- the engineering school is the, the furthest possible school from our, our office, so we, we recognize that because of their schedules, their class schedules, um, you know, they may not have the time to walk the 15 minutes up to McNeil, have a half hour point and walk the 15 minutes back down to the engineering side of the campus. So uh, it's great that you're uh, you're getting them uh, up up here. Maybe they're you know it's close to their dorms or other classes. Yeah, I mean I really appreciate it. And if we have to take the steps to go down to town for some appointments, which our team does yeah. as well, a couple of days a week to try to you know meet them where they're at. Uh, I don't mind getting the steps in all the way down um, at that part of campus too. But yeah, it's great to see students, whether it be Zoom, whether it be over the phone, in person. Any chance I get to interact with them, I mean that's where I'm you know in my zone together with them. I was like, just in the last couple of weeks, I feel like my in-person requests have gone up. Like, I'll have pockets of, I think tomorrow I have like three in-person people, but today I had none. Yesterday I had none. So it's, it's all over the place right now, it feels like. I wonder if it's the weather. I was going to say, sometimes point. the weather gets nicer, and you're like, I wouldn't mind taking a walk over to McNeil. Yeah. Uh, campus certainly... There's something about the minute spring hits, campus really like everybody comes out from underneath the yep. the covers, and it really feels alive. Come out from underneath the button. It really, <laughs> it really has felt that way the last couple of days. Um, so I think also there's that we're getting near the end of classes. There's also that sort of frenetic energy too of like I got to get all this stuff done, I got to get this in before finals, and we we you know we just had. Um, we were over at the bookshop getting ready for graduation. Yeah. You know, that was two weeks ago almost. Did you do that now. at all? Yeah, I did. I was going to say, I think you signed up. Yeah, you were yeah I did it for a couple hours. And uh, people either were extremely excited to say that, yes, they were graduating, <laughs> or the people were like, no, like, not yeah, yet, not yet. Yeah, you know, so we were over there. Uh, as people were uh, there to get their cap and gowns, we were there to say, hey, did you fill out your career plan survey? Let us know what you're doing. And it was a pretty good mix of, oh, yeah. Or ooh no, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> had a couple of I had a couple of parents as I think uh, a couple of moms and dads came to uh, cut the check for the cap and gowns, or just wanted to be a part of that day. 
and I did have a couple of parent conversations that were like, oh, oh, career services. Oh, do you hear that, honey? I saw some, some nudges and you points go, towards us. Go, huh? uh, I had a one nice, real nice conversation with a mom of a, a, a grad student uh, who was like, oh, tell me, tell me all about these career services. She, she, could, use, she could use some career <laughs> services. So that was nice, but it was, uh, it was wild to think that we're getting ready for graduation already. Yeah, this year has flown by, especially. I think last year was really an adjustment year. Yeah, from the the whole pandemic and all virtual, and yet last year felt like we weren't really quite. Back. We were here, but not fully, uh, not fully back. Yeah. yeah. Whereas this year has has not felt back like in that. person. Career yeah. fairs, I think it did help to move the the year along. Yeah. Well, so uh, what are what are some of the things that? Um, you're talking about with students is it people getting ready to graduate is it people looking for summer a mix of both yeah i've actually been really fortunate to have a really solid mix of different types of appointments undergraduates masters i even have an alum uh, set up for tomorrow i believe actually so i'm getting the full scope uh very quickly which is wonderful but a lot of students are looking for kind of that secondary advice it might be you know i've already maybe set up this internship or I have an offer on the table, help me navigate that. What does that look like? And so I think to be able to provide, like I said, the secondary advice to, they've already accomplished that first step, perhaps with some of our services before, but how can we kind of take it to the next level a little bit and help them to close the door? Uh, So we're talking about different internship opportunities, full-time job offer negotiation, even just simple resume cleanup to maybe make your document do the work for you. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, that's something I know as career professionals, we always say if uh, our documents, we want them to be ready to go. So when that perfect doc- perfect opportunity arises, we're able to submit something and not, you know, kind of have to sit in our hands a little bit as we do some of the paperwork. Yeah, don't let anything get in the way. If, if you see something, you can pounce on it. You know? Yeah. Going back to something that, you know, Natty opened the show with. Do you have do you have any thoughts about uh, ChatGPT and AI generated cover letters and resumes? <laughs> yeah. So. I've certainly I, I I've been trying to do my own research on it a little bit and honestly mess around with prompts myself just yeah. to see what it generates, which is really interesting. So I've actually started to take some of the questions I've gotten during student appointments or maybe things I've thought on my own if I was in the shoes of an engineering student and phrasing them in chat GBT. And I think to Natty's point, depending on the prompt, how specific you are, I think really dictates how helpful it's going to be for you. You can do something very easy. So for example, I think my first prompt that I had put in there was jobs and engineering, right? And then it's like, an engineer is blah, blah. And then it just spits out the definition of an engineer. So not super helpful for somebody who's already studying in the field. So then I got more specific and I was like, okay, how about career paths for mechanical engineers or students studying, you know, systems engineering, whatever it might be. And then you start to see a little bit more diversity in the answers. And you can ask it to regenerate too, I believe. Yeah. It's like, okay, if you don't love the first set of responses yeah, you get, you it's can like, try again. It's yeah. like try again or regenerate. Um, or sometimes I'll go and rephrase. So I think like with anything, the human element of being able to go back and take a look at something is always going to be important, which is why I think we're always going to have a role in that, in forming a cover letter, in forming a resume. Um, unless we get somewhere into the future where all applicants, I know there's already 
um, you know, ATS or you know, applicant tracking they already use yeah. AI, yeah. AI yeah. to you know track and screen out resumes. But eventually, there is some sort of human yeah. interaction at this point in time. I know there are interviews where it's pre-recorded video questions and things of that nature. But to my knowledge, at this point, for someone to officially get hired by they're not pretty putting much a dollar anywhere. into the automaton <laughs> no. interviewer. No. <laughs> right. So for now and for the foreseeable future, in my opinion, career professionals are playing a pivotal role in really preparing students for that in-person interaction, which because of technology and a lot of other spaces, sometimes they need a lot of coaching on. And so I think that's what's been the most I, rewarding is to help with that. I agree. And I think that all of that sort of like there's a there's a view to take that those sort of automated AI tools actually lift some weight off of our shoulders, right? Trying to get somebody rolling in the right direction and then we can help sort of polish that, right? And help like just like you said, really help with the human interaction, which is, you know, <laughs> as of today, still the that last mile that they have to go. They have to talk with someone, they have to present themselves, they have to seem like this is someone I want to work with. Um I kind of like the idea that recruiters have been using AI for a while to help them get through applicants and get through the the dirty work they didn't want to do. So I kind of like the idea that now there's a tool that the applicants themselves have access to that can help them through the process. But you you absolutely have to be careful. I mean, to your point, it's a good starting point, I think. Like, like you still need to know what your objectives are. What's your outcome? Like, what is your goal for what you're writing and how can you best get that across? Because if you just throw it in there, it, it'll probably give you uh, a, a, like a C or a right. D. A readable. Kind of like, it's, yeah. it's readable but forgettable. Um, it's one of those things, too, that we talk all the time, like how useful is a cover letter? And a lot of candidates themselves feel like, well, this is pointless. I'm just rephrasing my resume into like a paragraph form. And that's kind of essentially what a, a chat GPT will do. It'll regurgitate some basics into a paragraph form that's not going to be particularly exciting. But if you think about how you can best capitalize on the point of a cover letter, then you can go in and add all that specificity and add those extra things really critical with it. Um, I really like telling it to imagine things. You can tell it to like, imagine you're a junior at the University of Pennsylvania studying mechanical engineering and you see this job description and you're excited to write a cover letter for it. And it, 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 you can see that it actually changes the results when you're telling it to imagine putting itself in a, a place of, of a different mindset, basically. I am just relieved for my non-career services of work that uh, ChatGPT is not funny yet. I did, I, I did get it to be funny, but uh, unintentionally. <laughs> How so? Uh, so I, uh, I asked it a couple of questions and and asked it to be humorous, and it it failed pretty. I was like, make a funny. I actually asked it to write a funny biography of a of a character. It failed pretty pretty hardcore it was it was sort of like I said, it was a biography and it had some absurd things to it but it wasn't funny but then i gave it an absurd situation and i asked it to seriously explain how this comic circumstance might happen and it it regurgitated something that was absolutely hysterical <laughs> but because i told it to be serious so like it took yeah. this ridiculous scenario gave it and i said how could this happen and it laid out this whole scenario about it started with someone making a grilled cheese sandwich 
ending with a swimming pool full of turtles being boiled alive. <laughs> and I was, oh my, it was it took uh, a turn. It really took a turn, but it took it very seriously, and that made it funny. But yeah. GPT itself is not funny yet. I, and I wonder if engineers view it differently than like a College of Arts and Science or a Wharton student might, because some of my friends who I talked to about it were kind of interested in it, but they have this barrier of where they know, they have a little bit of an understanding about how it works from the engineering perspective, but they also know that some of the technical things, if they ask it to like code something or do something like... Like, think, like Python or C++ Python or, or like something that probably... You, you would see kind of the seams of where it might fall apart or might not do things perfectly. Some of my friends have been a little more skeptical where it's like, you know, the code's not really efficient. It, like this sort of works or it doesn't work at all. And it has a lot of weird stuff in here. So I wonder if they view it differently as opposed to other candidates that view it more from a different angle. I don't know. I just, I go back to what you said, Natty, about it being a starting place. Yeah. I think it's a great starting place to get very surface level information before you get into overly specific comments because I feel as if someone who has the knowledge to ask it to be specific could probably end up doing some of that research on their own or already houses the knowledge themselves to then ask it those more specific things. But to get an initial impression or a simple question or ideas flowing, I think it's great for brainstorming in that way. But it's an interesting thought you pose about if engineering students are viewing it differently than a student from the College of Arts and Sciences. Yeah, I'm curious their take. Um, Michael and I share, I think we shared this example on the podcast before, but we're looking forward to having a studio in the future. So we asked ChatGPT, generate a list of, um, an itemized list of things necessary to create a production studio for a podcast. And it had a pretty good list, things that we were already aware of and thought through. But it did include at least one thing that we hadn't thought of, which was a pretty good point, where it said uh, a digital, a large digital clock. Studio sure clock. You, yeah. Studio clock. Oh. Um, so you know like what time you're at by the second. And that was a good idea that I, I had completely overlooked myself. Well, that would make uh, sense. It would help for segments, or yeah, yeah. totally. I mean, like I leave my phone on the on the table here, so I can. I mean, Sam's got a, a timer on the board, but uh, I can't see it. I fully rely on everyone else. Yeah, so it would be <laughs> nice to look up and go, "Oh, we've been talking for twenty five yeah. minutes already. Got to wrap this up." Um, so yeah, it, you know, I think it's good, and you know, I know that um, when you were at the conference, the speaker mentioned, which is something that we've talked about here. It, particularly if you're thinking of this as using this as a, a jumping off point or a template, how is that really different? We've got templates on the website and you know, the speaker said, you know, I see, t I see, uh, I see cover letters come into my office for a review and I'm like, Oh, this is definitely, they like looked at our website because I can, I can tell they based it off of the one on the website. So how is it any different hmm. to me? It's not, it's not. I wonder if it has to do with the instant gratification or need of I, I a think, student I think so. who might be in school today. And, I mean, I think about what their timeline of life has looked like and how instant they've been able to have information at their fingertips and to have Google and seemingly every answer they could possibly want to know under a minute. And so if I can sit on my computer in my room and have ChatGBT produce a cover letter for me. Why should I make the 15-minute walk to McNeil to get it? <gasps> and blasphemy. But I think it comes back to what we said. You're you're still missing the human element yeah. to some point. 
And unless you go through an appointment yourself or hear from someone, I'm not sure you'll really fully understand what the value of that experience and that interaction could look like to prepare you for whatever that next step might be. I happen to know for a fact that a certain podcast producer uses ChatGPT to prepare the show notes every week. We we recently learned that Sam just is a <laughs> an advanced form of AI. <laughs> what else has come up for you? Anything? Any surprises? Surprises? Yeah. I'm most surprised about the train, I guess. <laughs> that's <laughs> I mean, that's something that's you know, been different for me and people take the we talked about this a little bit earlier actually, uh off air, but the quiet car is taken very seriously. Very, so, and you're you're on an Amtrak train, right? I am. They take it even very, more seriously. Very serious yeah. on Amtrak. Yes. Yeah. So for any listeners out there who uh, may have never taken a train and maybe are in the near future, if you're on the quiet car, make sure you know you are, uh, because if you are and you're not quiet, people will certainly let you know. They'll let you know, and not always in a friendly way. No, very rarely, if ever. Yeah, I uh, I mentioned right last uh, summer. I took uh, Amtrak between uh, Portland and Seattle, both ways, and it was a really nice trip. Obviously, you're going through the Pacific Northwest, but just everything about it, the conductors and the Amtrak staff were so genteel. The guy was helping me off the train. He told me to have a nice day. I said, listen, I want you to know that I ride between Philly and New York City all the time on Amtrak. If they ever, like offer you a promotion to be on the Northeast Corridor line, just say no, because those people will eat you alive. <laughs> you are a, a, the nicest Amtrak employee I have ever met. He was like, oh, can I help you like carry your coffee back to your seat? I was like, no, I'm, I'm good, but thanks. Are you in danger? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was such a nice ride. And they, were so, they were so nice. I was like, this has been like a completely different experience than on the. And he was like, "Oh yeah, I imagine that's true." So I guess this is the biggest institution you've been at, right? From the yeah, the ones it that is. I'm thinking through um, and that's something that you know was a big attraction for me for for this opportunity sure. in general, just for you know the diverse student population that I would be working with, to the resources, to the amount of people in the office, like you know, on staff. Those are all things that we're going to be different for me but have been and what I thought to be positive changes and they certainly have been since so not surprised by that but I am surprised by how much easier the transition has been than I thought it was going to be and I think that's really just attributed to the leadership in our office and then obviously like I said at the beginning all the collaboration and everyone being willing to help I've shadowed appointments not just within my team but you know all over and so that has been great so the transition, I guess I am surprised, has come a little bit easier. Plenty to learn, obviously, but just from a humanistic and I guess just real standpoint, mm. everyone has made that part of the process super easy and it, it excites me to come into work, honestly. That's great. Well, we always we always like to wrap up our guest interviews with, with some uh, hard-hitting questions. Some hard-hitting. An expose of you. We dig into a tweet that you made we 10 asked, years ago. It. We asked ChatGPT. No. To pull dust in How do you feel time. about birds? Birds? Yeah. In general? Yeah. They freak me out. I knew that. <laughs> I, knew, I knew that about <laughs> I'm you. I'm like, wait, why, what yeah. is happening? No, birds are... I had an experience as a child. Oh, I see. And let's just say I was under the care of my grandmother. And I believe my parents were, I think they were, I think my parents were in Paris and I was at home with my grandparents and we were at a lake. Mm. 
and I was chased by a duck or a goose or something. <laughs> I think I was I was very young, so it's embedded in my memory. They're mean. They get mean. No, they sometimes. are mean. They're very aggressive. And my grandmother actually has a fear of birds, so she attributes uh, my fear to hers. Mm. I see. I, I guess couldn't have been much help if you were being chased by a bird and she was afraid of the bird. Yeah, exactly. So here I am just sprinting around oh, a pond in a circles. Spiral, a spiral. So I had an apartment in the city of Philadelphia. I walked out the back of my apartment and there are a bunch of chickens out there. Absolutely not. I don't nope. know why. So I took out my phone I was taking pictures of the chicken. I was like, why are there chickens here? Why were there chickens in Huntsman Hall last semester? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that too. Yeah, watch out. They may, they may show up anytime. No, um, I, don't, I don't do that. So I took a picture. The first picture is just like, all right, some chickens hanging out. The second picture is just this blur because they started running at me. <laughs> no. I, no. My, my buddy lives in New York City. He lives in um, Staten Island. And we were on FaceTime the other week. And he's like, oh, my gosh. And he flips the camera. And there's legitimately 15 to 20 wild turkeys just walking down his street. Staten Island's a Staten crazy Island. place, crazy man. Place. And I, I like, love going to Staten Island. It, it feels magical because you go across the ferry like you're entering an entirely new land. It, you are. And you and you are. Yeah, no. This oh. friend rides the ferry almost every day, yeah. and so I don't think it's so magical to him. He's about <laughs> over it. And if you miss the ferry, you are yeah. in That's the ferry. That's Yeah. You're stuck on the island. So I posted uh, photos of um, the studio that we were talking about earlier, the wildly yeah, fantastic Ross, Ross um, studio that they have for, for faculty. Um, and your, your response was, do you know what your response was? Holy crow? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to ask you, did yeah. you mean to say crow or did it autocorrect you away from cow? Oh, no. no crow. crow. Okay. Is crow. that Does that related to your uh, your fear of birds? I haven't thought about that or made that uh, connection. All right. But We're really... I told Nat, you. Natty's, I had, Natty's I came, getting armchair psychologist I came here. prepared today. No, I'm surprised wow. I remembered what I said, honestly. I, I am too. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any other... Uh, aviary questions that no, you'd like no, to ask us. I, I just had those two. Are we on the, off the <laughs> birds right. now. Yeah, we're we're gonna go with our standard uh, two two prompt. Oh, those. Uh, question. Okay. One. Uh, assuming that it isn't your current job, what is your dream job? Oh my gosh. It could be anything. Dream big. Wow. If I could find a way to teach the game of football to youth in any mm -hmm. capacity on a very large scale, whether it be camp or to have an entire organization with multiple teams, maybe get to communities that don't have, you know, adequate resources or the ability or something like that on like the largest scale you can possibly imagine. If I could do that on the side with also having, you know, my career services, because I really am passionate about the whole career service process, but football always has and always will hold you know a super special place in my heart as does you know working with athletes and helping them to identify themselves beyond athletics because very often that is the majority of our identity for a long period of time and one day that just comes to an end so to help people with that transition kind of from the youth all the way through college that would be awesome to be able to kind of both coach but also maybe consult on that process. Yeah. No, that is fascinating. And it relates, I think, a lot to what we do for, like, visualizing your future and, like, setting goals and how that fits into your professional development in ways, too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. And then our other question, if you had your own podcast, what would it be? Well, I actually had my own podcast at oh, one nice. point. And? Um, it was during COVID, yep. actually, just like everybody else who decided to start a podcast during COVID. 
um, and it was called uh, Discussing with Dustin, and it was just a bunch of various different topics. Um, never really got off the ground. I did it for maybe three months or so um, when there's a lot of extra time. So I think I might still stick with that name. It's pretty good, but if I ever did it with more than one person, I'd probably have to switch up the, the title a little bit. Um, but the topic would definitely change. I would love to do a podcast on cheesesteaks, mm, like specifically. A, another buddy of mine, we've been all about the cheesesteak tour the past couple of years, trying different places, rankings. I'm in a cheesesteak guru's Facebook group that has 80,000 members. And it's this journey to find the perfect cheesesteak. So I think that's what the podcast is. So what's your, favorite, what's your favorite cheesesteak in Philly? In Philly? So I have a list, actually. But Angelo's is my number one. Okay. For sure. Um, they they don't do the traditional Amoroso roll. Like they do. They like make a their seated, own. They make yeah. their. They, so there's some people that get, you know, Lucio's or Corpolis and they get them seated. Mm-hmm. Angelo's legitimately makes their own bread and yep. rolls every single morning. I remember that. Which is that. why it. Okay, yeah. So my rankings right now Angelo's is another, number one. And then. I have a place, Lorenzo's Steak and Hoagies in Westchester is my number two. Curly's in Levittown is number three. Oh, I've heard of okay. Curly's. I've never been there, but I I know people love it. It's massive. And then the fourth one, I have a list of 17, so I'll stop after four. The fourth one is John's Roast Pork in South. Oh, yeah. Too. So yeah. John's that, is great. That's oh, kind of my, my top four right now. So Angelo's, Lorenzo's Steak and Hoagies in Westchester, Curly's in Levittown, and then JRP. Respectable list. Yeah, it's been it's been fun. People get really into it in the Facebook group for sure, because people try to make their own, or you have that person who's trying to like, they'll pose the question like, "Where's the best cheesesteak to find in Missouri?" And it's like, some people are kind of. <laughs> I do. I have I have that compulsion that I think a lot of Philadelphians have that if I'm somewhere far away from Philadelphia and I say see a sign that says Philly steaks, I at least have to go in and look, and be like, mm, no. No, I have only there have only been two places I've I've been outside of Philadelphia that I felt were at least on the right track. Uh, there was a place in uh, Jacksonville. I have some family down in Jacksonville, and uh, I was visiting, and he said we got to go to this place in the shopping mall. It's supposed to be authentic Philly steaks. The guys from Philly, and they were doing the thing. They were shipping down the Amarosa rolls every day. So like, it was good. It was it was solid. It was it was at least on the right track. It wasn't like a perfect steak, but it was good. But good for a Florida cheese. Good for Florida. It was the best you were gonna get. All the way on the other side of the country, West Hollywood, coming out of a coffee shop. We were seeing some some music. The place next door, Philly steaks. Now, I was full. We had just had a giant pizza, and then we had had all this coffee. And I was like, I got to go in. It smelled amazing. They were chopping up the steaks on the grill. It looked exactly right. So next time I get out there, I'm going to hit Philly Steaks. It was just called Philly Steaks. And it looked like a hole in the wall from South Philly. I was like, that is the most authentic Philly thing I have seen. Because a lot of places, it's like, You'll see Philly steak, and it's like a filet mignon yeah. with green peppers. Green peppers. Yeah. And then, like on yeah, a Kaiser no. roll. I'm like, no, sir. That was literally, I don't know if I've told this story before. In Virginia, I got a chi- a Philly chicken cheese steak. I was in the mood for a chicken cheese steak. It was literally chic- a grilled chicken breast on a Kaiser roll. See, that's a problem. It that's, was, and that's the That's issue. a chicken sandwich. The, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. it's completely different. And the rule of thumb, in at least in the Facebook group, is 
if anything on the menu says Philly and then cheesesteak behind it, chances are you're headed in the wrong direction. This is great. Some of our newest uh, employees, because Laura wants her podcast to be about wings. Mm. Oh. So I want to be the guest on both of those shows, because those are my two favorite foods. That would be great. That'd be a good collab, too. But Have you guys heard of Cooper Sharp? Oh, I saw. That's the only thing. I love Cooper Sharp. Of course. Okay, because it's become, before I joined the group and really came into the Philly area more, it was, I didn't know about it. And it's now a, it has completely replaced my like I get it at the deli for myself. Yeah, yeah. I use it yeah, on breakfast too. sandwiches, lunch sandwiches. If you never use it on a bacon, egg, and cheese, do it. It's like it's all I phenomenal. use. It's a great melting cheese. cheese. It's a great sandwich cheese. Uh, even uh, there's a, a a deli on my corner, and I put it on everything. And one time I was checking, she goes, "Cooper Sharp on your hamburger." I'm like, "Try it." Absolutely. And then the next time I was in, she's like, "Oh, you changed my life." It's <laughs> <I was> like <laughs> no. it's your deli. <laughs> it's so good. Um, well. Clearly, I could talk about melting cheese. We can do it. Yeah, the melting cheese podcast. Oh my god, I could talk about it all day. But uh, it's a fun one. One last uh, Cooper Sharp story because it just it just happened here on campus. Now we've got uh, Delco Steaks on campus. Yeah, good cheese steak, mm-hmm. solid choice, particularly on campus. Uh, went in the other day while Natty was away at his conference and i just wander the streets of philadelphia when he's not here uh, and i was like oh i'm gonna I'll get i'll get the small cheesesteak for lunch so i said give me the small cheese i'm gonna extra i love extra cheese on my cheesesteak i said i oh, give me extra cooper sharp and the guy went you sure about that but i'm like i'm sh-. he's like oh. he's like no no if it were any other cheese i wouldn't argue he's like we really he's like that cooper sharp sharp we already put a lot of cheese on and the way it melts he's like if you get an extra cooper sharp cheesesteak here it'll be like did you want any steak with that? <laughs> I was like, "All right, I trust you." And it was it was good, but I would like to see <laughs> It wasn't extra. I would like to see what would happen. So the next uh-huh. time I think I will say, "No, no, sir." I said two. <laughs> two <laughs> you hurt. Did extra I? Cheese. Yeah. yeah. So they're, they're number 15 on my list. Delco steaks. Oh, okay. All that's, right. that's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely I think your best option on campus. For a cheesesteak. There was briefly who was on. They left. They came and they left. Who was it? One of them. Oh, there was uh, Steve Prince of Steve Steaks. Prince of Steaks. Yeah. They, they came. They ran out of town at some point. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of places across the river that I want to get to. I want to get to Sonny's and I want to get to O Brother. Oh, Sonny's is good. I haven't had O Brother in a long time. Yeah. So I still have a lot to get to on Cleavers? my list. You've done sure. Cleavers. That's another massive one. I've not done it, but it's huge. It's huge. So Curly's is similar to that with like the size itself of the cheesesteak. So if you like cleavers, I think you would enjoy. Curly's. I'm going to ask ChatGPT to generate oh, a list of the best cheesesteaks. That's a great idea. All right. Yeah. Well, we've uh, we've we've taken this to a real cheesy place, but thanks for sticking with us, and we'll see you next time on CS Radio. This podcast is presented by the University of Pennsylvania Career Services, a division of University Life. It was created by Milan Kirshner and J. Michael DeAngelis. It was produced and hosted by J. Michael DeAngelis and Natty Leach and mixed and edited by Sam Pasco. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or wherever you're listening. See you next time on CS Radio.